0: Amen. Thank you, Lord. So good to be in the house. Good to see all your faces. It's awesome to be in a room together. Um, obviously, we still, it still feel, feels weird splitting us into two and having two services so we can space things out a bit. Um, but it's awesome that we still get to meet and that we get together. Um, so it's awesome to see you. Thank you for being here. I know there's a lot of folks away. the long weekend, but uh, it's still so awesome that we're together and that we can love Jesus. Um, And I'm expectant for this morning, uh, the Lord's already been doing such a beautiful work in the worship, just touching hearts deep to deep, spirit to spirit. Um, And I really hope today just to encourage you. um, My folks are are away this weekend with two other pastor couples just connecting um, somewhere in, is it the Berg? Somewhere out there, hey? Um, They're somewhere. And they send their love. It was a place with no signal, no electricity, so the pastors were roughing it for the weekend. Nick's style it was Nick's kind of vibe, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they sent their love, and they are um, excited to be back next weekend to see everyone. Um, man, I, I'm i really excited about what the Lord's doing uh, at this time. And I know it's been really intense, I think, for, for a lot of us. There's been a lot of stuff, a lot of noise, a lot of things, facing different situations that we've never faced before, um, whether it's at work, whether it's family, relationships, all sorts of things. Um, So there's a a lot going on, but I'm excited. Um, In fact, uh, I really feel like when we lean into the Lord and we start to catch His heart, you start to feel dangerous uh, in the best sense, like dangerous, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're obedient and we're following Him, uh, then suddenly the impossible becomes really attractive. Uh, you start to look at situations differently. You're not afraid of hardships and afflictions. In fact, they encourage you um, and they strengthen you. And so it's been a time of maybe for you, for you struggles, difficulties. I know I've had uh, afflictions and whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the reality is Jesus is king. And when you fall in love with him, awesome. One person loves Jesus. That's so great. <laughs> when, you, when you fall in love with him, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. And I feel a, a word on my, my heart this morning that is uh, urgent but encouraging at the same time, and that's how I kind of hope it's going to come across, is urgent, necessary, but really encouraging, that actually you'd come away from this time together just desperate and, and hungry and aching for more of Jesus. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 25, and we're going to talk from there, but... Um, you know, I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, and I, I'm going to continue to say it. In fact, I've been saying it for months, but I'm going to keep saying it because I believe it's true. Church as we know it is over. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and your normal life as you knew it is over. And if you hang on to it, you're not going to be satisfied or fulfilled. You're just going to be frustrated. If you hold on to what you thought was normal, what you thought was comfortable— It's going to get really, really frustrating. And so I want to encourage you today. It's almost like let it go. Let that thing die. Uh, Jesus has more for you. There's been a shaking in this time. But the reality is where we're going and what God's called the church to is actually so glorious, so beautiful, and I want to be a part of it. And uh, so I've kind of set in my heart, and I hope you are like that too, but I'm like, man, I don't know, you know, if you want to run, let's run, but I'm running, right? It's like this is too valuable to, to worry about, you know, do you get it? Do you not get it? It's like, we actually don't have time. Uh, you know, Jesus goes, follow me and I'll make you fishes." And man, I love that. It's like, just follow me. Where are we going? I have no idea, but just follow me. Disciples are like, man, I, I'm not quite sure of exactly what this is going to look like. But Jesus is like, just come along. And so, so the Christian life looks like that. And I want to encourage you, we have this obsession with control, this obsession with comfort, this obsession with, uh, with uh, understanding and figuring it out and just making sure that we know exactly how this is going to go. I just want to say to you, I'm so sorry it's not going to be like that. Uh, It's going to be wild, and there's adventure at every turn, and God's going to call you to assignments and things that you never thought you were even qualified for. But the Lord says, you're actually the perfect one. And so he's saying, just follow me, just follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. And last week, Sunday, uh, for the first session of our leadership uh, track that we're doing, it was awesome. We started there, and we said, man, if Jesus, the greatest leader who ever lived, is inside of you, then it's about time we start disqualifying ourselves from things and start actually going, wow, if the Holy Spirit is making me more and more like Jesus, then there's going to be some pretty awesome ingredients to influence and authority and and transformation on the earth. Why? Because He's inside of me. And so that's a great place to start as believers. You know, Rick Joyner said something so interesting. He said uh, in one of his books, he said, there's more power in one Christian than all the armies of the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an awesome statement at church, you know. Praise him, tambourine. But when you start to think about that, you go, hold on a second. There's more power in one Christian than all the armies on the earth. Now, what what is he saying? It's a different kind of power. But it's interesting, because if we understand that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus is inside of every single believer, suddenly something begins to awaken in you where you no longer want to settle for normal life. Where the supernatural becomes natural or normal to us. That's normal. I have an expectation to see God move in impossibilities. See, it's that kind of people that in the midst of all of this stuff really do shine and are different, and people look at that and go, wow. It's, it's attractive because it's otherworldly. It's not of this world. But you know, at the same time, where there's this invitation to the church to come into this, there's also a lot of noise, a lot of distraction, a lot of opinions, and a lot of stuff. Just a lot of stuff going around. And so I find that for a lot of the church it's like, man, trying to, you know, navigate that and I've got my own life and things going on. And so really what happens is we just go into survival mode. And it's just, you know, kind of Sunday to Sunday. Come into a service, really need to pick me up. It's been a rough one. And, uh, and I want to say this, the mercy and the grace of God. He loves you so much, He'll touch you every Sunday. He'll touch you every Sunday. He'll minister to you every Sunday. He'll pick you up every Sunday. But that's just the beginnings. You haven't, we haven't even got to what He's actually called us to. The reality is Jesus wants to take the church into maturity. And He wants to take us beyond survival mode of just trying to get through the week to ruling and reigning in the kingdom. And the beautiful thing is that ruling and reigning just doesn't seem to look like we think it looks like. In fact, Jesus, His... his uh, Version, or or not version, his way of ruling and reigning is actually uh, to wash people's feet. Low place. The most servant-hearted, incredible man who walked in the most incredible power and said that we would do that on even greater things. And yet he modeled a way that was lived in the low place. He didn't come to make a, a, a statement. He came to change the world. And so I'm excited because as 24-7 we've been on this journey and we're go, moving towards uh, this beautiful expression of the bride and really the Lord is preparing a bride for His glory. That's what He's doing. We, we function as a body. We're built together as living stones to, to create a dwelling place for His presence corporately. We love all of these things, but the reality is He's coming back for a bride, which means that at the, the core of everything we do is a bridal heart. And I said in the 8 a.m. If if, if uh, ladies have to be called sons, we get to be called bride. And when you see Jesus, he's beautiful. You want to be his bride. But God's coming back for a beautiful bride who's prepared and ready for him. And this is something that we're going to talk about more and more. And it's something that should be uh, spoken about so much more uh, across the earth right now. Is actually that he's coming, he's returning, and so we're getting ready for him. And we're not. This isn't a, a rescue mission where you know we're just like, oh, just get us out of here, Lord. That's not the case. We're preparing ourselves actually by beginning to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven by living out what He's put inside of us. Acts of righteousness, deeds of righteousness, clothed in these things because of who He is in us. And as we begin to do that, we begin to look like Him. His presence begins to rest on a people. Nations are discipled in the glory of God. And suddenly we begin to look like something that Jesus paid for. And that's what He's coming back for. And so in my own heart, I'm always reminded about how intentional God's calling me to be about my heart and about actually how I live my life. That my yes to God is so valuable that He actually was prepared to die for it. This morning when we were praying, I felt the Lord say to me, What possesses a man to endure the cross for the sake of lovers? The Spirit of God. That's what. Here's Jesus who comes as a man filled with the Spirit of God endures the cross for the sake of lovers, and then gives us that same love to love him back. What does that collision look like? Two burning lovers who will endure anything for the sake of oneness and unity, for the sake of intimacy. That collision is powerful. That's Jesus and his bride. And it looks like something for you and him in the secret place. And it looks like something in your work uh, environment. It looks like something at home. It looks like something in the corporate expression. It's a holy collision of lovers. And Jesus is coming back for a bride. And so my heart is stirred again and again daily to say, Lord, I'm aching and I'm longing for your return. And the thing is, you know, we've got these two camps. You've got one which is like, no, we don't have to even think about the return of Jesus. We just do kingdom stuff. And then you've got this other group that, no, we just have to think about the return of Jesus. Don't worry about this stuff. It's all just fraught anywhere we're going. And I'm like, no, actually, these two things are incredibly tied together. It's one thing, the return of Jesus and the manifestation of His kingdom. And so we give ourselves to falling in love with Him, fully given to the Lamb because He was first fully given to us. And from that place comes an authority from that place actually comes a confidence in God to see the demonstration of the Spirit of God here on the earth. Does that make sense? And so, you know, just before Matthew 25, everyone's favorite chapter, Matthew 24, description of the end times, and the word perilous comes up a few times. And um, everyone gets excited about this. It makes you really stoked to be living at this time when you can go through the chapter and you go, We've seen that, we've seen that, we've seen that, we've seen that. We've seen that. I'm teasing. But there's some interesting statements in Matthew 24 where he he says a few times, So be alert, for you do not know which day, whether near or far the Lord is coming. In verse 44, he says, Therefore you who follow me must also be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Matthew 25, verse 1. Now this is in the context of Matthew 24, and Jesus uses this parable. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all began to nod off and they fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their own lamps in order. They trimmed the wicks and added oil and lit them. But the foolish virgins said to the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, otherwise there will not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the dealers and buy oil for yourselves. But while they were going away to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut and locked. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I assure you, and I most solemnly say to you, I do not know you. We have no relationship. Therefore, be on the alert. Be prepared and ready. For you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Pretty intense passage, right? See, here's what the the Lord has been ministering to me. The last couple of weeks, he's been speaking to me in dreams a lot. And I don't normally dream. Um, but just the last little while, just significant dreams where God's just been ministering to my own heart, and one of them was around this about oil, and the Lord began to teach me and minister to me out of Matthew 25. See, here's the thing. The word for for lampshare, it's actually torches, so picture this. It's those old, old school wood things with the cloth on the top that they would pour oil on and light, okay? That's what these things look like. And what you would do is you take oil so that when you're prepared to light this thing, you pour the oil on the cloth and then you light it, right? And then it burns and and the cloth stays alight for longer. And if you don't have oil, you light the cloth and the thing burns up real quick and that's the end of it. And so here Jesus is using this incredible example and there's a lot in this uh, in terms of Jewish customs and things like that, which I'm I'm not going to get into. I'm going to try to keep it real simple for us this morning. There's 10 virgins and half of them understand the need for oil. And the other half don't, don't even think about it. And so what happens is they, uh, they're waiting for the bridegroom and he's delayed. So in a season of delay, they fall asleep. And then suddenly at midnight, when it's least expected, there's a shout. And the bridegroom's here and they're saying, let's go out to meet him. And the five foolish virgins, they don't have any oil. And so they, they, they're going to light this thing and it's going to burn up and that's it. It's not, it's not going to burn very long, right? But what's interesting is it says that they all began to trim their wicks, get their lamps in order, but only half of them had oil. And, and the foolish virgins who don't have oil, they go to the wise virgins and they say, hey, give me some of your oil. And they say, hey, I can't give you my oil. I don't have enough for me and for you. In other words, let me put it this way. My oil is too valuable, too personal. Here's the beautiful thing. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. It represents intimacy. And Jesus is inviting every single one of us to personal intimacy with Him, oil. But it costs because intimacy is the one thing we get to give God. And so it costs. You actually buy it. And you buy it with your time and your devotion. You set your heart apart for Him. It's yours, but it's going to cost you everything. It's the wonders of the gospel. And so they begin to to cry out for the oil, and they they can't get the oil, and so they go to buy oil from the dealers. But they go, and it's too late to cultivate intimacy. He's here. Now, the thing that, that gripped me about this part of my dream, I won't go into the details, but the reality is I began to realize that I think there's a lot of people in the church today who come every Sunday and maybe trim their wicks but don't have oil. Jesus says something really intense when they come and he's he's shut the door and they say, Lord, Lord, open the door. And he says, I I assure you and I most solemnly say to you, I do not know you. We have no relationship. We have no oil. You You didn't have oil. See, gone are the days where we can live off of other men and women's anointings. That's not what you were created for. You were created to cultivate and live in your own personal intimacy with Jesus, where you know Him and He knows you. And it's from that place that you can begin to do what God's called you to do. But in this season, I'm telling you now, and I know, I mean, I I see what's happening in the church, in our city, and in the nation as we're talking to different pastors, and what's happening in the next generation is that we haven't learned to cultivate oil. We haven't learned to go and buy oil. We haven't learned devotion. We haven't understood that actually this is, this is the one thing necessary. This is the most urgent thing, a part of our lives, because the reality is if we don't have oil, then suddenly we settle for Sunday to Sunday Christianity, and our Christianity lasts about two hours a week. Because we can light that cloth, and it burns for a, for a little bit, and that's it. But oil will keep you burning. The intimate place with the Holy Spirit, journeying with the Lord, growing with Him, cultivating relationship, knowing that you have a Father who's made a way for you to come in, who wants to uh, speak to you and teach you and train you. See, God's not looking for your behavior modification. He's not looking for your attempt at Christ-likeness. I say this all the time, but it's like we've got to keep hammering that one home. He's not looking for your behavior modification. He's looking for His Christ in you. He's looking for what the Spirit of Jesus is forming and creating inside of your life. That's what He wants. And the thing is, we have to understand that your assignments are going to come and go. But intimacy with God is eternal. That's the one thing we'll be doing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Intimacy with Him. And He's saying now, this is the one thing that's necessary. This is When He says it to, to Mary of Bethany, He says she's chosen the good portion. One thing. It's only one thing. It's intimacy. Sit at my feet. Get to know me. Watch me face to face. Because when you look into my face and you behold me, you'll begin to become everything that I've called you to be in Christ. But we need oil. And so there's there's an invitation from the Lord, and he's saying, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't fall asleep without oil. Because the reality is it's going to happen at a time that you don't expect. Midnight, and there's a shout. Are you with me? You know, I love, I love David. Here's David. He's this young man in the fields tending to sheep. Stinky sheep. Now that's a joy. He's, he's forgotten by his own father when the prophet comes in town and asks for his sons. Right? It's intense. Like, that'll leave, leave a lot of us with some serious daddy issues. Right? But he's out in the fields That's what I love about David. He makes a vow to the Lord. And Solomon writes about it in Psalm 132. And this vow is that, Lord, I will not rest my eyes. I will not enter my own house until I find a dwelling place, a resting place for you. That's beautiful, right? He makes this vow. And it's incredible because you begin to see David's journey and you see how he goes through so many hardships. And he's, he's anointed uh, as king. And then he, he goes on this long journey of years and years and years and years of affliction, hardship, opposition, rejection, before he actually becomes king. And under Saul's rule and reign, what's so crazy is that they actually, they, they left the Ark of the Covenant in a field somewhere. If you study it, it was, it was in a field somewhere, right? <laughs> they totally left the presence of the Lord. And David does this one thing when he becomes king. What's the first thing David does? Go fetch the ark, bring it back to Jerusalem. I'm going to put it in a tent, right? I'm breaking all the rules here, but I'm going to put it in a tent, and I'm going to welcome Israel to come and worship him. Here's David who goes, I'm actually going to come into the glory, and I'm going to behold God. He's <laughs> See, David understood the father's heart. He understood that, hold on, yes, there's these laws and things that came in place with Moses, but the reality is I know the Father's heart. I know the master plan of God. It's intimacy. And so David, in David's tent, David's tabernacle, he begins to behold the glory of the Lord, and it's in that place of presence, face-to-face, beholding. Suddenly, he begins to get prophetic vision of the Messiah. He begins to uh, understand things that's coming in the end times. He begins to prophesy, and he gets vision in the presence You go, why why do you have prayer rooms and why do you have these places where you cultivate that? Because something happens when you're in the presence of the Lord, face to face, when you've set aside time to just be with Him and look at Him, something begins to stir and the Spirit of God begins to open your eyes to see what's ahead. Right? So here's David, brings the ark back and he begins to dance with all his might. And you've got his wife sitting at the... Top story, windowsill, looking at him, and she's ashamed and embarrassed. She despises him. You know, sometimes I wonder if there's aspects of the bride that are sitting up in the high place, despising Jesus, despising those that are fully given to him, and the expressions that come from a heart that's fully yielded. And My prayers, I don't want to be that. I want to be like David. I don't care if I dance till my clothes come off. Hopefully, not here. Hopefully, at home. <laughs> yeah. But he brings, he centers the nation of Israel around the presence of the Lord, and you begin to see what God does. Now, here's the thing David understood. That we were created for intimacy, we were created for His presence. And when we begin to build from that place, when we begin to live from that place, God begins to move. See, David was, was after this mission of on earth as it is in heaven. And the reality is he has encounters with God, and, and if we know, Revelation tells us, what's happening in heaven, 24-7, for all of eternity in the throne room, there's worship. Holy, holy, are you with me? So David sees that and he goes, well, we're just going to replicate that. And he starts off with 200 and something musicians, and by the end of his reign, it's over 4,000 musicians, 4,000 gatekeepers that are 24-7, 365 for 33 years exalting Jesus and throning him in the city. This is why what I love about this is I go, man, we're not going to change the world through through gatherings, right? We're going to change the world through every single disciple of Jesus, following him, making him known, living out the kingdom. But one thing is really important. What we are going to do as a gathering is exalt Jesus in cities and nations. What we are going to do in these times is enthrone Him. Because what happens is when you begin to enthrone Jesus, He begins to move across an entire region. Visions and dreams begin to break out. Suddenly people are encountering the Lord. The supernatural is washing over a region like it's doing right now in the Middle East. And my prayer is, Lord, do the same thing here in Johannesburg. Where we exalt Jesus. We fall in love with Jesus. We give Him everything. And suddenly people are rocking up at the door of the church saying, Will you tell me who that man is? Who meets me in my dreams, who comes into my bedroom. Why? Because we enthroned him, we exalted him, we made him Lord in a city. This is why church is not a place for us to just come and find ah, just that pick me up or just someone help me. You know, it's just life is different. Come on, let's get out of that survival mentality and let's begin to rule and reign where we say, you know what, I need the soil of community as messy as it is, and the Lord's busy taking out all the junk. Come on. We know that. Soil's not perfect. But we need soil to be rooted and grounded that we can see the fruit of what what Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. That's going to begin to flourish so that the nations can be blessed. So that the the people at work begin to taste of the goodness of Jesus. (laughs) So we're a present centered people, a people of intimacy, a people of oil. And the thing is, no one can give you their oil. And I, I, I'll just be honest, I think I've been in places where I've tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, let me, here, have some of my oil. I have some of my, I'm exhausted. I'm dry. I'm like, people have been in those seasons, right? The Lord's ministering and moving, and then what you want to do is you want to live other people's Christian life for them. Happens in ministry all the time. And then we call it discipleship, but really what it is is, Pastor, drag me through this time. Help me. Get get me out of this. Now, intimacy. If there's one thing we're called to do as the house, it's point people to Jesus. It's intimacy with Him. It's relationship with Jesus. I don't want to stand before Him one day and hear the words, we have no relationship. See, because Jesus isn't standing. That statement there, the religious spirit wants it to be like as if Jesus is standing there, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, we have no relationship. That's not Jesus, man. His heart is aching for you. He wants you more than you'll ever want him. And so when that moment comes, those who've rejected him, those who don't have oil, even those who sat in churches for years and years and years but never cultivated intimacy with God, you think he's going to stand there and just be like, oh, sheesh. No, his heart is aching for people right now. There's a harvest across the nations that the Lord is bringing in, and he wants a people that are prepared to bring them in, not just that they can fit in, that they would belong, that they'd come in and begin to understand the heart of the Father, that they'd be transformed by his love, that they'd be discipled in him, that they'd be commissioned in everything God's called them to do. You know, I'm excited for 2022. I am revved up. I'm serious because you know what? I'm like, it's been two years of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. And the reality is, okay, we've kind of, we've navigated COVID a little bit. We understand this demon. So I think it's about time we start standing on its head. I think it's about time that we begin to exalt Jesus, magnify Him, that the glory of God begins to permeate the people of God. And suddenly something begins to shift in the nations and in the region where the church begins to rise and shine, and we're not, we're not opposing or against governments, and again, we're not doing that kind of thing. We don't have time for that. We're too busy beholding, too busy becoming, too busy shining and radiating. So the reality is, I'm telling you now, God is doing something in the church, and what it's going to take is courage. And I feel this in my heart, because in the last couple of weeks, it's like stuff comes, man. Stuff comes and it hits you, and it's just pounding at you, and it's all the junk and the accuser and the garbage and all the nonsense and difficult situations and temptations, and addictions, and struggles. Man, I haven't counseled as many people with all this stuff in the last few weeks. It's crazy. And yet in the midst of it, I, oh, I start to feel this zeal because I go, you know what? What we need right now is courage. Courage to pioneer. Courage to be forerunners. Courage to go where no one wants to go. And my prayer in the last few days with the Lord has been this, Lord, wherever I've become complacent, wherever I've allowed myself to be tamed, where disappointment, discouragement, and sorrow have entered my heart and caused me to become numb, where I've settled for something that you didn't settle for, then I repent and I say, God, oil, I've come to buy oil. Come, Lord Jesus, more oil, more oil. I want to burn for you nonstop. I want to just get brighter and brighter and brighter. See, in the last little while, insecurity has tried to govern. I've, I've been watching it. I've seen in my own life, I'm like, what is that? Where did that thing come from? Get out. And the reality is I look around and I'm going, it's so funny how there's so many little trigger points. All these things that the enemy, he just knows, just push that one and blah, all the demons come out there and push that one. Blah. All the insecurities, all the masks, all the stuff. And then what's, what's so sad, and this is why I want to encourage you, family is a place to be real and to go on a journey with the Lord. What's so sad is that we often that stuff starts to come up. What we do is let's put masks on and let's just pretend to be spiritual. Oh, that'll work. <laughs> let's pretend to be. So now we're just pseudo-spiritual, weird people who come to church and do a whole bunch of the stuff, but the reality is my life's a mess. It's falling apart. I'm stuck in sin. I'm messing up, or doing a whole bunch of stuff and it's not who I am and it's not my identity, but as long as no one sees and the mask is up. And I'm like, man, we gotta, we got to smash these things. and Just say, Lord... No longer do I want insecurities to govern my life. I want to get raw and real with you. Because the day is coming when the bridegroom is going to stand before me. I'm going to look into his eyes. And he's full of fire. And he's full of zeal. And I want that fire. I want him to look into my eyes and see that same fire. See, that YouTube video that the latest Worship Hits they can create an environment, but they won't change you. I had a great time with the Lord this morning. I watched two hours of so-and-so and worshiped to so-and-so. And then I wonder, see, I, let me say it like this. A couple of weeks ago, I shared on intimacy as well, and I, I said this. I said, often we don't see the marks and the expressions of Christ expressed through our lives or the fruit of His life in our lives, not because we failed to understand Him, but because we've failed, in a sense, to become intimate with Him. And I say failed, I, I, I use that word loosely, so hear my heart. It's not like you're done. The reality is, when, we, when we're not living intimately with Jesus, then don't expect the fruits. See, in in John 15, it says something interesting. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He doesn't say, apart from me, you can't do anything. I'm I'm playing on the words here, but I love this. It's like, he's not saying, hey, apart from me, you can't do anything. No, actually, you can do a lot of stuff apart from Jesus. It just, it's worth nothing. (laughs) Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, okay, beautiful. So, the reality is, he's asked me to do one thing, and He'll do the rest in me and through me. And that's to follow Him, to be intimate with Him. Follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. See, I feel like in this time, God's going to raise up spiritual families that carry the heart of David. Where they make a vow to the Lord. One simple vow. Lord, I will not rest until we find a dwelling place for you. Now we know that we've become that dwelling place. But the vow in the New Testament, the New Covenant, is Lord, make us your dwelling place. Lord, my life and our lives and together, why? Why is part of the vision to have 24-7 prayer and worship where you can wake up at 2 a.m. and come in and just enjoy Him? No, but, oh, you want to be a house of prayer? I don't, of course I want to be a house of prayer. Jesus said my house is a house of prayer for all nations. But the reality is I'm not trying to replicate one specific model. I'm about the presence of the Lord, where a people can begin to cultivate an environment where God is so loved and honored and focused on 24-7, 365 where we begin to drench a region in the glory of God. We begin to pour out our oil. We begin to lavish our love on Him again and again and again for years and years and years until Jesus comes. That Jesus, when we stand before Him, we say, Lord, You were exalted in my life and You were exalted in this city. That we can ha- be a people like David who can come in to an environment of His glory. And of course, this can happen in your closet at home. You hear what I'm saying? Something about corporately committing Together to his presence, to his glory. You know, anyone who's against that, against gatherings and stuff, I just go like, Well, why does he come in such glory then? You know, I've been in all over the world in gatherings, whether it's five people, two people, a thousand people, ten thousand people. God loves his church. He honors it when we come together because it's a picture of heaven. We're going to be doing that together in heaven. So my heart gets stirred because I say, okay, Lord, you're doing something so beautiful in our hearts. And you're preparing us for what we're coming into. But I go, come on. I want to end 2021 deeply in love with Jesus, transformed by the gospel, full of faith, full of hope. Full of vision, the vision of Jesus, the vision of what He wants. Even this morning, we were praying as a team, and I said, you know what, guys? We're going to radically flip our perspectives of the service and say, while we're worshiping, the question we're going to ask is this, Lord, how do you feel about this? What do you want? What are you saying? Are you with me? Because, you know, it's so beautiful that we didn't come here to worship you. So it's really not about how you thought the worship went. It, what matters to me is, did we move the heart of God? Because that's what we're here to do. And the byproduct of that is you get crazy blessed and ministered to, and, and he's, he's a good father. He loves you so much. It's like it's impossible to get close to him without him just poof, lavishing you and ministering to you because he's in love with you. But we come together with one heart, one focus, one desire, Lord, that we would see you, that we would minister to you, that we would touch your heart. Lord, we've come to be oily, laid-down lovers. And we've come to a place, and I want to say this for every single one of us, it's like the Lord has shaken comfort and luxury and and, uh, the defaults of our lives and the things that we thought were just going to be like that forever. God, just everything has been shaken, right? And it's like we're left with this ultimatum. Will you yield? That's it. Will you yield? What's the most fruitful thing you can do with your life? Yield. Abide. So my heart is, is, is for my own life and for this house, that every single individual, every single one of you would begin to cultivate intimacy with the Lord, that you would personally know the voice of God. See, we don't have to live confused lives. (laughs) In fact, the church is supposed to be the least confused people on the planet. We are pretty clear on what we're here to do, what God's heart is, and what we're about But the beautiful thing is that God's not just wanting to use you for His mission and His mandate. He's in love with you because the mission and the mandate will be fulfilled. Christ will do it. But the reality is what He wants from us is intimacy because that's what He'll have for eternity. See, I don't want to get to heaven and be shocked. Like Mike Bickle says, shock me now. (laughs) Don't shock me then, shock me now. I don't want it. When Jesus returns, I don't want to stand there and go, oh, oh, it was legit. Oh, it wasn't just a sermon. It was actually what you were about. When the door's shut and locked, Lord, open the door. I was there at the service. See, that's not even, that's not funny. That grips my heart. Lord, I went to church. I was there. I don't know you. Lord, I was in the environment. I got, I flung from this side of the room to that side of the room. I was in the environment of your glory. Oh, the, the environment and the person. So you can, be, you can be in the same room as Jesus and never meet him. He didn't pay a price for environments of glory. He paid a price to put his glory in you. That's what he wants. You will never be the same again. You know, I, I can't wait. It's, what is it? It's uh, end of September and I'm already gearing up to like start laying out some vision for 2022 because we are going to reproduce what God's doing, the kingdom of heaven, that's what we're about, reproducing. Just make disciples of all nations. We're just going to do it. I don't care where, I don't, whatever it is, your assignment, that's beautiful. We're going to commission you, and we're going to begin to outwork this stuff. God's going to do it. You know, right now, just so you guys can pray with us as well, we are praying about apostolic bases in the Middle East. Places where we can have rooms of, of worship and prayer happening all the time. where We can begin to connect with the body all over. Begin to build into regions. Begin to serve. Choose the low place. Begin to love people. Not just there, here too. Right here in South Africa. And you have opportunities every day. Every day. I love had a testimony of one of these, he was expanding an area in his business and starting something new, and the Lord showed him exactly who to ask to do that. And uh, so he asked the guy, and the guy's so rocked, he says, This is so the Lord. And uh, long story short, whole opportunity opens up to love this guy, disciple him, help him out. Actually. This is what happens when we just follow the Lord. The Lord just spoke to his heart, he began to step out. I hope that's okay. I'm just using it as an example. But. So we have opportunities every day to love Jesus. make him known. But I want to encourage you today. So much more in my heart, but I'm going to keep it simple. If that's simple, I don't know. I feel like the Lord's going to um, change a lot of people's, specifically Christians' hearts in this time, from being opinionated to being brave. Because there's a lot of opinions, and opinions just don't seem to change much. It doesn't seem to do anything. But courage, courage to follow Jesus. See, there's, there's deep places of encounter for you in the Lord, and, and He's going to begin to show you things. And You know, there's a beautiful scripture in, in Song of Songs. It talks about if you don't know where to find Him, follow the tracks of the flock. So it says, Put, your, put your, your goats by the shepherd's tents. Sometimes that's where community is so beautiful. I'm just in a place where I just don't know. I just don't know how to, I'm just confused. I'm struggling. I don't know how to, will follow the tracks of the flock. Get into the soil. F- follow, the, follow the other lovers of God. Where are they going? Because that's where he is. So maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, I just, I've struggled. I just can't, I just can't find him. Well, follow the tracks of the flock. You'll find the shepherd. Will you stand with me? (laughs) So hopefully you're encouraged to go and just be with the Lord and get to know Him. No, I, loved, I was chatting to Granty in the week, and he, he said to me, he said, do you ever find when like, you get to know the Lord, but you get to know like, a specific aspect of His nature, when the Lord just like, really begins to focus in on an expression of His heart and, and really begins to minister? And I love that, because this is how we get to know the Lord. It's like sometimes you go through those times where the, the encounters with the Lord, it's like, whoa, He's really teaching me about this specific aspect of His heart and His nature. See, it's lovers who talk like that. And you're all invited to be lovers of God. You're all invited. He paid the highest price. There's nothing. There's nothing that's separating you. She's just looking for your yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's just for a second, just wait on him and allow him to minister this to your hearts and to mine. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you Would take something of what I've said today, Lord, and even if it just results in one thing, such hunger for you, Lord, such a desire for your presence to be with you, to know you. Lord, I pray that something would be awakened in our hearts. We'd be awakened to love. Lord, make us a bridal people who are just so deeply in love. Lord, I pray even now if there's stuff in our hearts that we need to repent of, Lord, we just repent and we we quickly, immediately return. And we set our eyes on Jesus and we receive your forgiveness and we receive everything that you've given us, that you've given us your spirit, Lord, and we come running into the Father's arms. and We say, Lord, make us everything that you paid for. Teach us how to be intimate with you. Teach us how to love you. Teach us how to follow you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Yeah. I just have a sense um, today, you can just keep receiving as I'm talking, but I have a sense that there's maybe one or two or maybe a few more of you today. It's like, it's like you need to make the call in your heart. Like, Lord, today. Today, Lord, I forsake my past, I forsake everything else, I forsake all the junk. I'm yours. And the Lord's going to like, He's going to pick you up in that place, and He's, He's going to absolutely drench you in His presence and in the love of God, and He's going to completely transform your heart and your thoughts and your mind and set you on fire. That's what He does. But I feel like for some of you today, it's like, man, today, Lord, today I'm done with everything else. I'm done with all the, the stuff I'm given. And I I'm just gonna be bold, cause you know, in my heart, I do that every every day, pretty much, like Lord today. <laughs> but I mean it. And so, if that's you, and I felt like maybe it's just one or two, or maybe three people, but if that's you and you're like, man, I just, I just want you, Jesus. I'm done with everything else. I'm, I'm in. If that's you, I want to just invite you to join.